Michael Lombardi. You couldn't get me to buy Mitchell Trubisky if you had him at a discount rack at Sealy's Basement. Radio.com Sports NFL Insider. I'm done killing MVP Mitch. If somebody wants to sign him based on what they're seeing, we're watching a different game. And the hard part for Bears management, for the McCaskey family, for Ted Phillips, is the fact that had this not been a 17-game playoff, they would not have been there. Looking at the league from a front office perspective. Carlo didn't belong in the family. The Bears didn't belong in the playoffs. Carlo was never trusted. The Bears were never trusted to be a good team. I mean, it's the perfect analogy for who they are. And if you're Ted Phillips and if you're the McCaskey family, you're going to have to make this call because Pace isn't going to come in and say, yeah, I was wrong. We need a better quarterback. And if he doesn't see it, how can you change him? You have to answer for Santino, Carlo. Michael Lombardi, every Wednesday with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And joining the show is Radio.com NFL insider Michael Lombardi. And insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app or visit betql.com today you can also hear michael on the gm shuffle that's his weekly podcast available on radio.com and michael is brought to you by al pamonte nissan al pamonte nissan in melrose park on north avenue or apnissan.com michael good morning how are you Morning, Michael. Good morning to you both. Hope all is well in Chicago. Oh, yeah, we're all fired up. We're getting ready for some football, and uh, maybe maybe we learn a thing or two about these teams, about the way they play, about what to expect. I felt watching the Saints go down to Tampa, a team the Bears had beaten earlier in the year, a totally different team now, but nonetheless, uh, a team the Bears, that's their, that's their glory win. I thought that it kind of pointed out how far away the Bears are from any kind of glory when Tampa, New Orleans just beat them senseless, barely allowed them to score, and uh, and you turn around and 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 you got the Bucks uh, forcing turnovers and taking the ball away and Drew Brees' long day and all the rest of it. So what what's our takeaway? What do we think when we see this if we're here in Chicago? I think there's, you know, there's really only one thing to think. I think when you look at the Elite Eight, when you look at the Final Four in the NFL, it really comes down to how well is your quarterback playing. I mean, you know, the Rams are in that game against Green Bay, even though Goff, people say, well, Goff didn't play bad. Well, Goff, they had 244 yards. He was two for 10 on third down. They did everything in their power to keep him from messing up the game, which is ultimately why they lost the game. And so when you watch all these playoff games, I mean, Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball 10 feet. Great career. Tremendous career, 151 wins as a Saint quarterback, nine playoff wins, one Super Bowl, tremendous. But his arm strength was really obvious, and I think the Bucks took advantage of that. So that team goes by the wayside. Their quarterback didn't play well. Lamar Jackson, their quarterback didn't play well, even though Josh Allen in that game, he didn't play as well as he needed to play. And, you know, Cleveland, when they needed to have the game, I mean, the Cleveland game was one for the ages in the sense that, it's 22-17 to 17 with seven minutes to go in the game. At that moment, you're as a head coach. This is what you prepare for. You need 12 of your best plays. You need to call the team together and say, hey, we've got to put 12 of our best plays together. 
you know, they took them four plays to get a first down on the on the drive. They milked the clock down to under four minutes, and then the next play they run, they run a, uh, they get in shotgun and run an outside zone, gets no yards. They try to run their about their eighth screen that finally gets stopped into a blitz, and then on third down, Baker can't see, so he throws the swing out to hunt for one yard, and they've got to punt and never see the ball again. So for me, it's really obvious. Your quarterback's got to your quarterback's got to carry you through moments of the game and through the game. Michael, I think people expected the Chiefs and the Packers to be where they are of the Bills and the Bucks. Which is most surprising to you that they are in the championship level? I think it's the Bucks, really, I, and I think the Bucks for a couple reasons. Because when you watch them play against good teams throughout the season, they really struggle. New Orleans beat them bad twice. You know, the Rams beat them. They really struggled. Now, they beat Green Bay, but that's, if you go back and watch that Green Bay tape, that's a little different. I think Green Bay's up 10 to nothing, and, the, and Rodgers throws a pick six, which he rarely does, and all of a sudden the momentum changes in that game, and it looks a lot different than the score. The score looks a lot different than really when you watch the tape. So for me, the Bucks, I never thought they had a signature win. I never thought they beat somebody. I mean, they barely beat the Giants. They struggled to win some games. But they have gotten better, and they have moved into more of what I would say running the Patriots' Tom Brady's favorite plays. They don't necessarily run the Patriots' offense. They run his favorite plays. It's kind of like a collection. It's an all-star group of plays. So, you know, they surprised me because when you look at them defensively, they've had some limitations. I mean, Washington moved the ball. You know, Washington moved the ball. But they've been fortunate. They've played against two quarterbacks in the playoffs that really are not playoff-caliber quarterbacks. With all due respect to Drew Brees and his Hall of Fame career, he at this time is not a playoff-caliber quarterback. And that obviously changes. I mean, I don't know if there's a quarterback in the NFL with a better season than Aaron Rodgers and, you know, obviously a Hall of Fame-style career. Even, even Tom has to tip the hat. No doubt. I mean, there's nothing Rodgers can't do, and he covers up for – you know, the thing about Green Bay, I think, that we all feel, even Bear fans have to say this, is they never have control of the game because their defense never looks dominant. They never look dominant. Even in the Ram game, you never felt like they had control. But where they always gain control is when Rodgers is under center and when he's making throws. I mean, that game against a really good Ram defense, a really good Ram defense, they put, what, 32 on the board and easily, easily, they should have had 40 because he misses an early throw in the game for a touchdown. They settle for three. There's four points there. He over the sard either misses it or it's overthrown by an eighth of an inch. I mean, they're rolling. They're going to score points. And the Bucks. what you have to understand about the Bucks is people never really try to run the ball in the Bucks. In the first half in the National Football League in 2020, the Bucks saw the least amount of runs of any team in the first half. Teams just don't try to run the ball on them. They throw it on them. And that plays right into Green Bay's hands. Michael, back to the Bears for a second. Last week, Ted Phillips rather unfortunately said that, you know, other than the quarterback and other than winning games, you know, everything else is in place. And and beyond the the ridiculousness of of that statement, when when you separate the quarterback from the equation, do you look at the Bears, the way their defense finished the season and maybe some of the offensive components, do you look at the outside of the quarterback everything being in place for a team that wants to compete for a playoff spot next year? You know, I, I think the Bears, I, I thought, I said this on the Lombardi line on v and I think I said it on my podcast. I thought the, the Saint. I thought if the Bears didn't play great defense, I didn't think Chuck Pagano would be back. Whether it's his call or the Bears' call, I don't know. I think Chuck's a wonderful man. 
but I thought their defense has not played to the level that I think the Bears feel their talent should be playing to. So I don't know where the changes are going to come there, but I think they've got to get that defense. The defense isn't as – now they're dominant against bad quarterbacks, but against good quarterbacks they don't play to the where they need to play. And I think that's what they have to improve upon. I was really encouraged by the lateness of the, of the season where they could actually try to run the ball. I think they've got to improve the offensive line greatly. I think the one thing when you look at the Bears team, if you want to be a, a really a Super Bowl team, you've got to have a blue-chip quarterback, you've got to have a bunch of blues and red-chip players in the offensive line, and you've got to have a blue-chip defensive rusher. You've got to have those elements. You know, Everything else doesn't matter until you get that fixed, and I think that's the plan if you're Ted Phillips. All the other things are just excuses. When uh, when we talk about the four coaches remaining, um, Andy Reid obviously is the guy that's coming off a Super Bowl victory, um, and he's the longest tenured. Uh, Bruce Arians been coaching forever, obviously, but not as a head coach forever. Um, when you when you kind of evaluate who has a, an edge, who would you give it to? And I'm fascinated, Michael, by the idea of Sean McDermott facing the guy that fired him. I, I just I know they're buddies now or they are friendly, but I don't know how that goes away. Well, it never goes away. I mean, you know, you're friendly because it is a political arena called the National Football League, so it, it's, it's politics to play nice. But there's an anger, there's a resentment towards that. To get fired for Juan Castile to become the defense coordinator, I mean, how do you think Sean McDermott feels about that? He took an offensive line coach and turned him into defensive coordinator. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that, I mean, it's one thing to get replaced. I mean, you know, there's going to be a great trivia question one day. Leon Hess, who founded Hess Oil, a multi-billionaire, one of the richest men in the world, fired Pete Carroll to hire Rich Kotite because he couldn't believe Rich Kotite was available. I mean, the one to steal replacement great example. Yeah. of Sean McDermott has got to be one of the wor- one of the worst things. I mean, you know, and I, I was Juan would walk around NFL Films saying, "Mike, I know defense. I know, de- yeah, you, yeah, okay, Juan, you're a line coach. You know, it's, it's a little different." I, I told Juan at that time, I said, "Juan, if you pull this off, you'll be better than Belichick, and you're not better than Belichick." So let's just put that in perspective. And I told that to him. But this, I think, is going to always anger you. You know, and McDermott's got to figure out. Look, he played five dollar blackjack the last time he played him. He said, "Okay." Andy, you don't like to run the ball. I know that. We all know that. I'm going to play a front. I'm going to, I'm going to entice you to run the ball. He did for 245 yards. And they, and they, they held him in the 20s. I think they scored 26 points. You know, and and you're, you're believing if you do that, you've got a chance to win this game. You've got a chance to win the game if you can hold them in the 20s. I mean, the Browns, if I would have said to you the Browns held the Chiefs to 22 points, I said the Browns are going to win that game. You got to win that game when you get hold them in the twenties. You're going to hold on to yourself if you get the game gets into the thirties. But the Bills have to control this, the game on offense. They've got to be able to set the pace. It, time of possession is meaningless when you play the Chiefs. Think about this, fellas. That the Chiefs played the Panthers. The Panthers had the ball 38 and a half minutes in the game, and the Chiefs had it like 21 and change, and the Chiefs still scored 33 points. So time of possession is meaningful. It's what you do with the ball when you have it. It's like the opening drive of the game when, when, when you know, the, the, uh, the Bravens went right down the field on Buffalo, took eight minutes off the clock and don't get any points. Looks great on time of possession. You, got, you, you produce nothing. So I think that's the challenge for Sean McDermott. How do we balance this? How do we keep control the ball? 
limit possessions, get this to eight possession game, and then try to have the ball at the end of the game to win it. Great example, Michael. And before we let you go, looking at the challenge ahead for Nick Casario in Houston with the Texans, how does he quiet the noise surrounding the Deshaun Watson situation? Well, I think you've got to be proactive. You've got to go talk to Deshaun. You can't believe what you're reading. You've got to hear it from Deshaun. I respect Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter. They don't, they don't report bad information. But if you're Nick, you've got to go right to the horse's mouth. You've got to get his agent. You've got to get Deshaun in a room. And then if I were him, before I even did that, I would fly to Clemson. And I would sit down with Dabo Sweeney. I'd say, Dabo, help me here. I want to understand what's going on with this kid. Because six months ago, we were in love. Six months ago, he deposited a check from the Houston Texans. He waited till midnight to deposit it, to see it in his bank account. Tell me what's happened in the last six months. I wasn't here, but I'll fix it. What uh, Do you have a Super Bowl pick? Do you, do you have a feel for this weekend? I, you know, I do think Buffalo can upset them. I don't think it'll happen. I do think they can. You know, Kansas City's vulnerable. Mahomes will play, I think, just by the signs that he's trending yeah. in that direction. I love Green Bay. I think Green Bay will really – I think Green Bay will put it to Tampa. I, I, I think Green Bay will – this is one of those games I think Green Bay will come out and they'll score and it'll be a hard game, much like what we saw Kansas City do to, to Tampa earlier in the year. I mean, they're going to come out and throw the ball. And if Todd Bowles doesn't double Devontae Adams on every play, they won't cover him, much like he didn't cover Tyreek Hill. So I love Green Bay. I, I hope Buffalo plays well. I think they can beat Kansas City. I really do. I think it'll be a close game. Great stuff, Michael, as always. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks guys. Michael. Bye-bye.